What's up, everyone? Welcome into episode 198 of the Modern Drummer Podcast with Mike and Mike. And this episode is brought to you by Dynamics Drums. Dynamics, if you're not aware, is the vision of Black Swamp Percussion. These are drum set-oriented drums, and they have a new medallion series, Brass, that was just released earlier this year, which features a beaded brass shell in 5x14 or 6 and by 14 in sizes. They can come in a standard black nickel finish, or you can get a torch patina option. You can also get hand engraving by the owner of Black Swamp, Eric. He does hand engraving himself, so that's super cool. Uh, these drums feature Arch Tube Lugs, which is a proprietary uh, Dynamics uh, feature, the uh, Dynamics Curly Snare Wires, the RCK Strainer. So if you want to check out these drums, they're really cool. We've got two here to review in a future episode. Uh, go to blackswamp.com and look for the Medallion Brass series. And also on YouTube, they have a couple demos of this. So if you look for 5x14 Medallion Brass or 6 snap by 14 Medallion Brass, you can see and hear these drums in action. All right, our intro beat is from Brandon Scott. So Brandon recorded some jamming along to a loop that he made from the intro to Dave Weckl's Cultural Concurrence. So let's check it out. So it's a, uh, he's using a Love Custom Drum Steam Bent Walnut Kit. He has some vinyl cymbals. He's got a Love Custom Drums Copper Over Brass Snare. He's using a Sabian Omni Ride. He's got an Audix D6 on the bass drum. Sennheiser E604 on the snare and toms. His hi-hat is a Shure SN81. Let's check it out. Here's Brandon Scott. Bit of a snappy comment from you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Mister. Yeah, yeah. That's all good. It's one all take good. episode. That's... Where are we at? Uh, 198. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. Really? 198. Two more to 200. Dang. We've got a uh, we've got a few f- you know a few fun little factoid things to share in episode two hundred. We do have the list of you know the drummers that we talk about too much, which is going to be you know a little painful, a little funny at the same time. What else do we have? Yeah. You know various various kind of funny things that. Hopefully- and if you make that list, uh, then you know there's going to be a moratorium on you as a player on this podcast for the next twelve months. <laughs> Not a big deal. We just can't say your name again because we say your name too much. Now that that did actually make me think of an idea that maybe we should open it up if the listeners would be interested. I thought maybe we could do a regular drum history segment where we kind of go through and identify key players throughout the years. So we're not always talking about your and I's. The problem is we have similar backgrounds, similar tastes, so we very rarely touch on the the outside. And we're we're almost the same age, so we grew up in the same exact era, so we're influenced by the same people. No, I agree. I think maybe that would be something to do, like a drum history 101 Regular well, I also think it's important to go back to the history of the great drummers and find out, even on a personal level, were you actually influenced by this person or are they just somebody that you know about in history? Like, I can honestly say I was not directly influenced by Chick Webb. I know exactly who he is. I can see him smiling in my face right or in my head right now. He's not smiling in my face. But I can see him smiling in my head right now. But he wasn't somebody where when I saw it, I said, OK, I'm actually going to break this stuff down. I can think of other drummers, Joe Jones, where I just sat there and went like Papa Joe Jones, where I sat there and thought, I got to try that. I'm going to, you know, at a young Mm -hmm. age. So I'd be excited to know or interested to know also when we hit things like Steve Gadd, John Bonham, 
are you a fan or are you di- directly influenced by that person? You know, so we can go through a bunch of that stuff. Yeah, we could dive in. So if anyone wants to chime in, oh, by the way, join our Facebook page if you haven't already. The Mike and Mike Modern Drummer Podcast with Mike and Mike on Facebook. That'd be a good spot for you to send messages or or pose questions and things like that. Um, in this case, my question to you is: Does drum history interest you or make you want to hit the pause button? Or the skip 30-second button. (laughs) There you go. The skip 30 seconds button. Uh, All right, guys. Well, before we get... Hmm. I feel like I nailed that. Before we dive deep into this stuff, let me just give you a heads up on what's going on. So we're going to talk about some seven-note groupings applied as triplets. Really cool stuff. I'm a huge fan of doing... I do lots of fives and triplets. Haven't done a lot of sevens. So uh, the article we're going to discuss by Joe Bergamini will help with that. We're also going to check out drummer Debbie Knox Hewson. If you haven't seen her play yet awesome player and doing some really big stuff we're gonna check out a crushed drum set and we'll give you our picks of the week as always and i think i'm gonna get made fun of for being out of town somehow it's <laughs> i'm gonna get made fun of for doing my job in greece so we'll get to all that later first let's get caught up brother dawson i just launched hand speed course seven uh-huh. while redoing hand speed courses one through three I have five app updates. That's what that sound was. Get on that. Thanks, Adobe. Hey, Appreciate where, it. Where's your dog today? <laughs> Juno is out. Okay. So sorry you guys won't get any howls from Juno. She's becoming quite the famous dog. Uh, <laughs> but uh, she's out. Uh, so, yeah, so I a while back, I, I was getting a lot of emails from our students. I had uh, hand speed courses, beginner. Actually, I had four. Excuse me. I had beginner, intermediate, advanced, and pro. Mm-hmm. Now, in my mind, each one of those courses probably represented three to four years of my life. From the beginner course to the intermediate course was me being a young kid learning how to play drums. And then it took a a long time, multiple years. The online community does not want to learn like that. I fully understand that. Mm -hmm. I'm part of it. I learned a lot of things online. If somebody said, because I take online uh, camera courses and video courses and uh, production courses sometimes if somebody said here's your camera come back when you shoot your first movie <laughs> might be a bit of a jump it's like now I, I'm sure that Steven Spielberg did that I'm sure he got a camera and then he made a movie 10 years later but it's a big jump so yeah. I had to break yeah. everything so I broke everything up into 15 courses hand speed course number 7 just got launched yesterday and if you are a Mike's Lessons all access student just so you know there are quite a few new exercises in there now let me ask your opinion on this Mm -hmm. since there are 15 courses what i'm not doing is saying these are singles doubles and paradiddles and we're going to do 15 courses worth of those just bumping it up so i'm combining hand speed with i guess sticking patterns uh, mm. interest. So each time there's a new course, there's also new things that you're doing with your hand speed. Mm-hmm. Do you do you think it would be better to, or would you like it better as a student if it was just singles, doubles, and two sticking exercises for the for 15 courses of bumping up the BPM? No, I don't think so. I don't think I don't think it would be. I don't think just bumping the BPM up by 10 equals another chapter. I don't I don't think I agree. I think each chapter should have flexibility to go from slow to fast. That would be yeah. my approach. My goal is that each course is unlocking the exercises in the next course. Okay. If you Makes started sense. on let's say you're a beginning drummer, you couldn't start on course 7 and bring the BPM down. 
because mm. you wouldn't know how to do anything in Course 7. But if you went right, right. 1 through 7, it had unlocked and you'd been taught everything. Also, I'm putting a really big stress on those key BPMs where, okay, now I can't get you out of it. You're going to have to use your fingers. We have hit a BPM marker where if you go all wrist and tighten up the grip, it's going to be a real struggle for you. And mm-hmm. it's, it's an, I'm not saying you can't do it with all wrist, but it's unnecessary. You just don't need to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, so there's a little bit of that. So that just got launched. You guys can check that out. Bigger news... What's that? I've left behind Steven Slate plugins. Oh, my. <laughs> Oof, man, I've been <laughs> championing those for a while. You're leaving behind the Insta Instagram drum mix plugins. I, well, <laughs> when you slap them on two total mics, it's not that bad. If I had it on all my close mics, yes. But I am, I am leaving Steven's crew cut behind. <laughs> I am, I've moved to Waves plugins. Now, and okay. Let's unpack it. Is it because you needed more features? Is it because you just got tired of the sound? Is it because you feel like... Because when I think of Slate stuff, I think it's it's not a quick fix because they can do a lot of stuff, but it's like you put the EQ on, you grab the kick setting, and it's good. You're, you can move on. Sure. But I think and once I, you learn it, really dig into what EQ actually does, then maybe you want something else. Is that what It's happened? weird. It's Yes, there's that, and it just... It it didn't play well with Pro Tools. Like it, oh, it caused okay. a lot of loading problems with my Pro Tools rig, and I have this thing pretty dialed in. Pro Tools doesn't hang up on any other plugins, no matter what mm. what I use, and it was hanging up quite a bit. And as soon as I delete my Slate plugins, because I will say this, Slate makes them very easy to reinstall them through the way they do their onboarding stuff. But I would delete everything. Pro Tools would work like magic again. So there was there was a frustration level. And then there was exactly what you said. It was almost like using an Audix D6. Mm-hmm. Greatest simple kick mic in the world until you want something other than kick. Yep. And once you yeah. want flexibility, it's not there. Now, Audix, to their credit, makes tons of mics that will give you that flexibility. But we love the D6 because, especially live, just throw it near a bass drum and it sounds great. Yep. That's kind of where I got with those Slate plugins. It was this generically great sound, but it wasn't as it wasn't as flexible as I wanted it to be. Now, full disclosure, I'm not a mixing engineer, so I just went to the Waves Central area and downloaded a bunch of their trials, and I started to really like the sound a little bit more. It was just a little mm. more natural, a little more real. And more full, almost. I don't know how to explain it. I did a bunch of A-B testing. Uh, I actually re- used some of the Waves plugins on something you guys will hear at the end of this podcast when we do my pick of the week. But So, yeah, so I ended up going with mostly the Abbey Road stuff. Really what just are you enjoyed. Using? EQs, compression, tape, simulators? Uh, just, uh, I'll pull reverbs. it up right now. Yeah, so I've got uh, on my overhead, I've got EQ and compression. That's it. Yeah. On my kick, I've got EQ and compression. That's it. Then I have a uh, second overhead channel or bus that is my reverb channel. Mm-hmm. And I'm using a tiny bit of the Abbey Road Chamber Reverb plugin. Then on my master bus, I'm using uh, an EQ or a, I would, what's it, like a channel strip with mm-hmm. everything on it, the Abbey Road one. And then a tape emulator, the Abbey Road tape emulator, with okay. just like the tiniest bit of that on there. So, yeah. Light. But the thing is, it my Pro Tools rig isn't hanging up anymore. I used to, I don't even have to deactivate my plugins or anything. So, uh, 
so there's that. Then the other thing that you know is that the the slate stuff was a monthly fee. Wasn't oh, big, really? but it is a monthly fee for the all access to that. And when it comes to software, it depends. Uh, mm. I don't mind paying for that stuff, especially I've been paying the all access fee for Adobe forever mm-hmm. uh, be- because I don't mind having, I love having that sound that you guys heard that. I love that. Like, Hey, you have, you have updates like, cool. I pay for this. I get the newest update back in the day when, when we were doing that, uh, illegal stuff, you, don't, you just had Photoshop three for the next four years. Yeah. But that, see, that's to me, that's the difference. Photoshop is Photoshop. It's a tool. If you don't have the subscription, you don't have Photoshop, the tool. But Correct. a compressor is a compressor, and right, you can, yes, I agree. So what happened with me is I, I'm a Universal Audio user, and I had a year subscription, all access to everything because I reviewed, I did a review of their stuff, so they gave me a year to check out everything. Okay, which was amazing. I was obviously digging way too much into plugins and not just focusing on my engineering, just to see what the stuff would do. Now, here's what happened though: when the subscription lapsed. I was like, hmm, do I pay 200 bucks for this plugin or do I see if Logic has something I can make do that for me for free? And my instinct said, don't buy anything yet. See if you can get something in Logic that sounds like an 1176 and then right. make it sound like the UAD one and then you don't have to buy anything. So that's, right. for me, subscription stuff is not good because the, my first instinct is, can I figure out a way to do it without it? And nine yeah. times out of 10, it's yes. <laughs> I can figure out a way to do it without buying anything. Yeah, I, I felt good with the Waves stuff. I will say their stuff is pretty cheap, and their marketing plan is, hey, show up to our website, and everything will have a price. Leave our website. We'll track you, and we'll send you a 50% off coupon magically mm. four <laughs> right. hours later. And then, <clears throat> and then even though I'm well familiar with marketing techniques and online marketing techniques because I employ them myself at times, uh, then all of a sudden my brain's like, oh my God, I could save half. This is amazing. I have to get it now because that's going to run out any second. I mean, how long could they maintain this crazy sale? Uh, is Waze so, subscription or is it one-time purchase? One-time. Yeah, that's key. So I felt good with that. I, I And the good thing is there are trials. So I tried out the CLA stuff, the Chris Lord Algae stuff. I mm-hmm. tried out uh, a, a bunch of different things. The API EQ, the, the Neve EQ, tried all that, the Puig EQ. And then I was able to say, okay, I feel like if I'm going to use one EQ, one compressor, and one tape emulator, these are the ones. And then I didn't mind dropping down $29 per plugin. It wasn't yeah. that bad. So yeah, no, that makes sense. Go with it. Cool, man. Yeah. Well, let's see how they What's sound What's going on later. with you, buddy? <laughs> yeah, exactly. What's going on with me? Um, lots of lots of gigging coming up. It's festival season, so I've got a weekend jammed full of that and some shows, local shows, um, session work. So it's been, you know, last week it was like, all right, I got everything cool. I'm back in order. And then come Monday, here we go again. So it's, it's always this ebb and flow, which is cool. Uh, no complaints. But I just did another... Um, Oh, by the way, this should be my pick of the week. The Tama Superstar Birch Snare. Unfreaking believable. Like the old one, not the not the uh the well no, I guess it would be the fortieth anniversary one that came out a couple of years ago. Okay. Insane snare drum sound. So I have to really? maybe feature that. It's I mean, that's kind of like if you think of Guns N' Roses, Matt Sorum okay. era, it's it's that sound. Uh Steve Smith uh, in his first instructional videos. Right, right. And were you hitting? 
for hitting? this gig that, that you hitting? Like, were you were you swinging for the fences or were you being <laughs> no, delicate, no. Dawson? I mean, it's it's dead center. It's a sound with a with a okay. muffling ring, but man, it just sounds amazing. I forgot how good it sounds. So that if you can find one of those, an old one is probably going to be super expensive. But I think the 40th anniversary ones, if they're still available, they're not that expensive. Like, let me let me see if I can find one. Tama Superstar 40th. Let's see how much they are. I bet it's six hundred bucks. What do you think? No way! A, a superstar snare? Yep. No, four fifty. <laughs> four fifty. I'm All not right, paying the price a dime over right. four forty. There's an '80s one on Reverb for three twenty-five. There we go. And there's a Wait, there's the another superstar one. was out in the '80s. Yeah, that's like the the. The '80s Tama superstar. Oh, I got you. Okay, so this is like at the time that they had the Art Star, yeah, yeah, and the, the Grand Star. I mean, it's got what you it. think of like '80s rock, like big, you know, okay, fat sound. I was thinking snare. of like when the reissue kind of came out. Okay, makes sense. Anyway, I'm, I've gone off on a tangent. If you can find one, get one because it's. Did you know that our podcast is a tangent? <laughs> <laughs> it looks like they're not available on on Musicians Friend or Guitar Center anymore. But yes, the limited edition 40th anniversary Superstar Birch reissue, unbelievable okay. drum for that like nice. super punchy 80s snare drum sound. Anyway, that's my pick of the week on minute 15. <laughs> Dude, I think that's great. Well, my pick of the week has audio, so we can, we'll stretch it out. All right, let's get into a little bit of education. I want to talk about Joe Bergamini's new article. This is on seven note groupings. And... He wrote it in septuplets, uh, exercise one, and all it is is two snares, and then from that moment on, you're alternating the next five notes between kick, snare, kick, snare, kick. So you can think of it as snare, snare, kick, snare, kick, snare, kick, snare, snare, kick, snare, kick, snare, kick. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. One, two. Quick tip, don't say seven, it's two syllables. Okay, whatever, I'm still on Sudafed. Anyways, do you think of this as three and four? Or you just think mm. of it as a seven? I think of it as a melody. Interesting. Yeah, I, I just, I hear it. I, I As soon as I saw it, I just heard that. Interesting, because I immediately divided into groups of three and four. and it, it sent So you hear it as da da ku da ku da ku da da ku da or yep. one, two, three, one, two, three, four, one, two. Yeah, yep. I mean, I guess I I might even do that without even thinking about it. I, I just I'm very familiar with moving different groups of seven around. I think the typical seven we're used to would be if you put those two notes at the end, get to get to get to get to get to get to, mm, to right, yeah, because rush. Thank you, rush. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, so uh, so Tom Sawyer gave us that. So it's just the reverse of that. Now, when I saw exercise one. I was like, I wonder what he's going to do with this. I was not expecting what he did with it. Yeah. It's weird. When he played number two, which is just the snare part, it actually, if he would have played that a little more up-tempo, to me that felt like true. It, it, it sounded like he was just comping. As it goes down the page, and we'll talk more about what he's actually doing, it became an independence exercise. 
mm-hmm. that then you have to dig deep out into that independence and find the musicality inside of it. Yeah, so the reason I asked that question about do you hear just threes and fours is because in exercise one, it's you know it's a non it's a continuous flow of notes. So it's two snares, bass drum, and then snare, bass, snare, bass. Right. But when it gets in exercise two, he's leaving out what would be the bass drum notes. So you're only playing two one one. Now right. I immediately shift in my brain. That becomes a melody rather than a grouping. With not okay, having so all seven notes there, I hear it as a melody instead of a grouping. Right. So for me, in one, I think there's always the first note of any of these groupings becomes the melody for me. So when I looked at number one, it's almost like the bass drum is, I wouldn't say feathered in my mind, but I hear that. I hear the snare part right away. It's filling in. Yeah. Okay. Right. So that's why I would say a melody. Um, And then yes, with number two, I'm definitely not thinking in groupings at all. I'm singing Da 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 underneath. By the way, we haven't mentioned yet. As soon as we get to number two, he brings in the swing pattern on the ride. Yeah. So when I saw this, even though he wrote it in septuplets, I'm like, okay, well, clearly he's going to rock this thing as sixteenth notes or something else, or maybe keep it as septuplets. As soon as he put it into eighth note triplets, then it becomes a monster exercise. Yes, it's pretty. I mean, it's for me. It's like, how do you compartmentalize all this stuff in your brain? Like, as soon as I start playing two, I'm, I'm just memorizing the phrase, and I'm not even thinking it's a seven anymore for whatever reason. Like the way you sang it sounds like a seven. Like you're you're kind of right. emphasizing the grouping, but I'm just hearing it immediately as a four bar phrase, which is so weird. But it's made up of mm. sevens, and I and I can tell it's made up of sevens, but. I don't psychologically think that it's sevens anymore. Well, the thing, whether you're swinging or playing straight, so 16th notes or triplets, or triplets or 16ths, one thing that happens with a seven, and it happens underneath the swing pattern too, is whatever you think your downbeat is, you're about to have that be your upbeat. And you have to get used to that feeling of where this thing's going to show up. Now, uh, so, and what I mean by that is if you had... It's not like you get to go because that would be a grouping of eight and it feels great, but you don't get to do that. So with this one, it's it's pretty cool, except for it's not just flipping like in straight time. It flips from downbeat to upbeat when you're dealing with triplets you're going from the first triplet partial to the second triplet yeah. partial and playing that seven in the i can play the seven starting on the uh because i did this exercise this morning playing the seven on the second triplet partial gave me some trouble but i guess the big question is when you get to that second grouping of seven do you feel that you've started over with your left hand or is it just something new yeah you know what i mean which i think that's the yeah, or is it continuous? Be, not something new. Is it continuous for you? For me personally, I and maybe it's the way I, I learned how to hear odd groupings over four bar phrases. Was I always look for where, you know, how does the the landmark piece of that grouping shift? Is it is it so? In this case, it's doubles on beat one, and I'm looking for the next double. It's on the second and third partial beat three, and then it's the third partial beat one into two. So I'm looking for those signposts. I'm thinking da 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 da. I'm only like that's what I'm thinking is where the double land 
Right. And then I just know that I just play like a quarter note triplet. My brain works weird with this stuff. I don't. I've never. I tried to unpack it. It's before. great for podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me. I'm sure everyone's sense? in their car. Like, yep, I got it. So, it, like, I, I'm looking for the the landmark. Like, how does that double? permutate throughout four bars rather right. than I'm thinking one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. It's more like da 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 one. One. For whatever yeah, reason. No, I, I I totally agree. And I think in the end, hopefully we all end up in the same place, which is it's a musical statement. But in the beginning, that's the tough part with all students is how does this have to appear to you for it to make sense? Yeah. Now, yes, in the end, we're in the same place. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. <laughs> but some people might have to take this exact same thing and learn it one bar at a time. Some people might need to program it into the Groove Scribe or into a drum machine and just hear it a million times in a row. Everyone's a little bit different. But at some point, hopefully, you're not going one two three four five six seven one two three four five six ding 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 one two three four five six seven one two three four five six seven one two three four. That's that's bad. We don't want that. That's when it sounds like you're playing math. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that some of these exercises, in my mind, do sound mathematical as you're going through them, but they're meant to because they are exercises. And one place that we all lose track of is when we get the exercise done. In my mind, that's where your work begins. The can I do yeah. this? Can I not do this? That's just a given. You're going to have to learn the damn thing. Yep. Once you've learned it, then the work starts. And then you make something out of it. You become musical with it. Yeah. So let's just walk through the rest of this thing. Okay, so exercise three is the same as two. So what he's doing is he's playing the snare drum, quote unquote, part of the seven on the bass drum now. And then four, he starts alternating. So he plays, how do you describe this? So you're splitting between the snare drum and bass drum. If it's a double, you play it with one voice. If it's a, and then it just alternates. So it's two snares, bass, snare, two bass, snare, bass, two snare, like back and forth. And then he does a reverse of that. then finally it is the last one, one number though. six well it's not the last one but it's where we'll no. stop he plays the full seven orchestrated between the snare and bass drum as triplets so i think almost okay. everyone would go from Six. One to six. You would do, here's the seven with no sense of application, and now play that exact seven as triplets underneath a swing pattern. Yeah, I think I might even start with number six, just because the way my brain works. If I can see all the triplets filled in, Mm -hmm. great. And if I could play number six, I can literally just keep playing number six, move my foot off the pedal, but play on the floor, and then my ear can grab the sound of the snare melody while I'm still physically playing it. I I do that all the time. That's a cool strategy. And I can say I've never done that, but that makes, makes perfect sense. 
Well, I'm not very good at the drums, <laughs> so I have to. T- no, I, I have think to that's, invent a, that's a some good things. strategy for for getting to this. I think the whole point of this series is is odd groupings don't have to be play all the subdivisions. You can you can leave some rests in there, and and we don't practice that enough. Like leave and out I think some notes. That, I think the things that we find amazing in a lot of the pro players are the, the it's this exact concept. It's just because they didn't give us all the subdivisional notes. I didn't. I didn't recognize it as a five. You know, right, if you yeah. only played groupings of five and you only played one, two, and three, one, two, three, four. I'm sorry, one, three, and four. One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five. I'd be like, oh man, you got that quest love thing going. <laughs> right. Or you're playing quintuplets and you're just playing one, three, and four. Uh, yeah, especially. I mean, if you think about like going one, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five. Uh, Cat, oh, cat! Instantly, oh, you got that feel. Yeah, like, right. Or it's math. <laughs> I just didn't give you all. I didn't go. Uh, da, da, uh, I can't even do it. Da, 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 da. That's what you would usually hear in that. Once you take some of those out, same with this. All of a sudden, you've got something pretty cool. Uh, I think this could be really, really cool too. If, if you start moving your left hand around the kit. And actually making some melodies with it as well. Yeah, and, and what he, what it doesn't get into is I would want to orchestrate that that broken seven on the ride cymbal. Like play that as your ride pattern, Ooh, and then nice. then what happens with your left hand is free to do other things. So there's a lot of potential here. I think the moral of the story is don't just learn groupings as solid sixteenths or solid triplets or whatever. Start throwing mm-hmm. some rests in there, and then all of a sudden the musicality of it is exponential. I think. Agreed. Fantastic article. You can check out the full thing in the Jazz Drummer's Workshop. It's called Seven Note Groupings by Joe Bergamini. It is in the current issue of Modern Drummer Magazine. Let's get into our featured artist, Debbie Knox Hewson. of the band Nasty Cherry which is probably um, many of you listening probably don't really know the band yet because they are just kind of launching their first you know their first album and videos and playing some shows and stuff Uh, Nasty Cherry is a brainchild of Charlie XCX the pop the pop artist who Debbie did a bunch of touring with a few years ago and that's where I first heard her I saw some clips on Instagram of her playing with Charlie and it was really cool and then all of a sudden, she kind of disappeared for a minute, and she ended up showing up on a tour with James. Remember that band, the alternative yeah. band? Yep. And then this this thing was kind of incubating, and now now they're like launching this. It's it's an interesting band. It reminds me of kind of like a throwback to like '80s, early '90s garage rock. You know, kind of kind of rough and ragged, but but smart. And Debbie would be perfect for that. Yep. So it's. I saw cool. some videos of her earlier today, uh, just researching for the for this show and she was just doing some jam stuff with a trio mm-hmm. uh, guitar bass and drums and it immediately made me think oh she would crush one of those jeff beck gigs you oh, know right, with towel yeah. on bass like because she's got like this rock sensibility to her that maybe i don't know if it was formed in school or if it was formed by doing charlie's full-blown stadium tour stuff where you just have to hit like a rock star but mm-hmm. she's got this rock thing going like she knows how to hit the drums but 
Then you see, like, when they would zoom in on her playing, you'd see all these delicate ghost notes going on. Killer feel. Uh, it's funny. She even talks about the ghost note stuff in the article about it was her first time playing that kind of a tuned drum set where I think she said the snare sounded like a bag of coins being thrown against the wall. And you can't, <laughs> if you ghost note it, it's just going to, it's not going to work. So you become a two and four drummer. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, but she hasn't lost that at all. So I'm really excited to hear the new project. Yeah. So I think there's a couple of things that I wanted to kind of focus on. Um, first is, is I think she possesses that skill to sound like a garage drummer, but have tons of knowledge and experience. That is that. Yes. That's a fine line. Like it's hard to, I struggle with that myself when, when I get producers or artists like, can you just play a little sloppier, <laughs> you know, just, just play yeah. sloppy. I'm like, I've been training for 30 years to sound precise, but I totally get it. The aesthetic sometimes is don't sound so good. Just play, just be a I little, mean, just I, go I, for I, it. When I, I think of Josh freeze when I think of that, where it's yeah. flawlessly chaotic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's kind of the archetype for me. I think she possesses a bit of that, like, all the cool kids are going to think she's cool because she's not too too nerdy, not too, Diff, yeah. too drummy. <laughs> but she can really play. Um, so that's the one thing. Let's drop in. Actually, I grabbed that that video you were talking about. So let's first just try, grab some audio from that video of her playing with a trio back in the UK. So that I think demonstrates that's the schooled Debbie Knox Houston. I can play the drums. I can do sessions. I can. That's that's her thing. Like in that world, compare that to what she's doing with Nasty Cherry, which she's she's actually a co-writer and and it's it's like sometimes the drums aren't even you can't even tell if they're real or not. And you watch the video and then. Yeah, and I mean, it, there's a game to be played. No matter what your gig is, there's a game to be played. And if you're too cool to play the game, you're not going to get hired for that game. Right. And if you're playing stadium tours like she was or, or arenas or whatever you want to call it, you better put on a show. Yep, you're true. not there to be like you know the, the king or queen of pocket. You're there to – that's your job. You have to do that. You have to stay in time. You have to play the parts. But you're there to put on a show, and she does that wonderfully well without selling it out. You know, it's, sometimes it can be a little bit of a shtick. I think she does it great. The other thing that I noticed from the article is just some people are born with an entrepreneurial spirit, and some people aren't. The fact that she was in school emailing and Facebooking all the session players in London and saying exactly what you need to say, which is, if anything comes your way and it's not your cup of tea, please know that I'm here. Mm. That's so much better than, hey, can you hook me up? Right. Because yeah, I don't want to yeah. hook anybody up, but there are times when somebody <laughs> calls me and I'm like, man, I'm, I wish I could, but I'm, I wish I could accept that drum, but I'm headed to Greece. And yeah. we'll talk about that later. <laughs> uh, so, but, and I, I think that that's the way to go about it is to say, if something comes your way and it's not for you, because 
clearly you're doing just fine. Yeah. Just know that I'm here. And she also didn't even say I'm there to take the gig. She said, I'm there to cut my teeth in the auditioning process. Mm. I'm not, I, we're not even admitting yeah. that I'm going to get the gig. I'm just there to do, to do that. I think that that is the way to go about it. Uh, and I think that she also mentioned in there a key part. Don't do that when you're crushing it in the scene. Do that when you're not a threat. She yeah. did it when no one knew who she was. And everyone's like, whatever. Yeah. Oh, by the way, there's some audition for a massive artist. Good luck, kid. And then she's like, yeah, I got that. Sorry. <laughs> I love it. That's, That's a thing that, you know, a lot of times we ask ourselves when we see somebody on YouTube or Instagram, well, I'm surprised that they're not bigger than they are or more known than they are. It's not always about drumming. If you don't have that attitude, that entrepreneurial thing for yourself where you're you're your own business you can get overlooked pretty quick yeah that's tough i don't possess that i can't i couldn't sell a hundred dollar bill that's <laughs> that's that's a hundred everywhere <laughs> oh, you know but the other thing i wanted to make sure to talk about with her um all is is the other side of it is she then fully embraced the technology and the requirements yes. and the selflessness of like the, one of the first quotes she says is that she's talking about the gig with Charlie XCX. She doesn't like the idea of having to sacrifice anything because it's live. So she doesn't like the idea of a live sound. She very much wants us to be playing exact parts that were on the album. How many drummers would be willing to go that far to say, okay, I'm not going to play any of my own stuff on this entire tour. I'm not going to play one fill. That's mine. It's going to be 100% replicated from the record down to the samples to everything how many drummers no. can do that and then and actually well, like embrace it and think well that's the gig that's the challenge see, that's the thing can you do it probably a few people can do you want to do it you right? got to know yourself and i know myself no <laughs> i mean i would even i guarantee on the fourth gig with phil collins i would even jack up in the air tonight boom boom and I'd be like, what up, Phil? How was that? And he'd be like, well, I hope you, I hope you listen to the song on your flight home, Johnston. So she knows who she is. She knew she could do it. And she went for it, which, like I said, when you watch that trio thing of her playing on YouTube and then immediately click on a Charlie XCS thing and see that and see her like do her, her arena gig. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it's like two totally I I said different. XCS, I meant XCX. Yeah. But it's it's like it's it's a professional drummer doing their job. Yep, I dig it. I think she represents what it takes to be an employable, professional, high art drummer in today's today's world. Yeah. You have to be able to absolutely. I, mean, I think it, it, towards the end of her run with with Charlie XCX, the demand was well, the band's going to be all up front and the drummer's going to be playing the stand up electronic rig. It's going to be more of a choreography kind of thing. I'm in. Like, just to say, oh, let's do it. And most of us yeah. will be like, eh. I mean, I've heard people grumble, like, I don't want to be playing an SPDS on stage. Eh. Like, oh, I want to hide it and something else. Like, no, just embrace it. Play the freaking thing. It's part of the show. Yeah. When <laughs> these gigs always lead to the next gig. So, right. Which it clearly did. She didn't get fired. She's still she's still doing it now, just with a new group. Yeah. So check out Nasty Cherry. They just released a bunch of videos. If you're into that kind of you know more kind of what would you call that garage kind of eighties nineties 
a little bit rougher punk inspired stuff. It's I think they're gonna they're probably gonna blow up. And Charlie XCX, like I said, is kind of the mastermind of this. She's the the producer and co writer of all that material. Uh, we'll definitely be seeing more about them in the next. I think this story probably came out just a couple months before the big push. So keep nice. a lookout for Nasty Cherry and and follow Debbie Knox Houston. Uh, she's a great drummer. Awesome. Where are we at? So, oh, we got to talk about our uh, our show sponsor. So uh, <laughs> I don't even want to hear it. I don't even want to talk about it. It pains me. This episode is brought to you by Dynamics Drums. So Dynamics um, is a division of Black Swamp Percussion. If you're ever if you went through the college percussion world, you know Black Swamp is like the premier manufacturer of high end symphonic percussion instruments, tambourines, all that stuff. But Dynamics is their drum set quote-unquote snare drum division and they sent me two snare drums um medallion brass is the series which has a beaded brass shell comes in a 5x14 or a 6.5x14 that has a standard black nickel finish or you can get it with like a torch patina and then the owner of black swamp eric does hand engraving on all these drums so these are really you know they're kind of classic black beauty style drums um, and they were going to send these to you while you were in Greece, but <sighs> instead they're here in New Jersey, and I'm going to be the one demoing them in a couple weeks. So mm. it sucks to be a world traveler sometimes. You know? <laughs> it really does. It really does. You know what? I think that the email would have gone over really well. Uh, hi, Greece. Um, unfortunately, I can't teach the camp because I want a snare drum. Uh, <laughs> I will say that... That five by fourteen medallion brass with the patina, I want that mm-hmm. badly. Yeah, well, I've got uh, it so here. which ones did you get? I've got that one, and I've got the hand engraved right. um, six and a half by fourteen. You are such a Richard, <laughs> such a Richard. Oh, anyway, so biscuit. thanks, thanks for Black Swamp and Dynamics for sponsoring the episode. We will absolutely be returning to these drums once I get them into the studio and make some proper demos. But for now, go to blackswamp.com. Check them out. They're called the Medallion Brass. They also have YouTube, uh, their own demos on YouTube. So if you search for Black Swamp, Medallion Brass, or Dynamic with an X at the end, Dynamics, uh, Medallion Brass Snares, you can check them out there. Uh, we'll be returning to these beauties in a moment, and maybe they'll get diverted to California on the way back home. We'll see. I'm home till August. <laughs> get them out of here. All right, let's talk about some other candy. This is a company that I haven't heard much from lately, so I was excited to see them back in the mix. I'm sure they haven't gone anywhere, but uh, this is a cool kit. This is the Crush uh, drum set and hardware uh, that we're checking out here. So this is the Sublime AAXM drum set. Yes, so this is a hybrid show, maple mm. and ash. That's the AXM, so it's ash times maple, I guess, is the, the reasoning for that name. So Sublime AXM maple ash hybrid shell. They sent, um, what were the sizes? They sent... I think it was a, a standard 8x12 rack tom, the 14x16 floor tom. Um, the bass drum was deep. I'm pretty sure it was an 18x22. Okay. Um, right. Why do I not have the specs there? Yeah, 18x22 and a 6x14 snare. Um, the, one, the kit that we got it was in a white finish. The photo that we printed... Is with a black finish. You can see the veneer of the ash on the outside. So they did something cool with it, where you, where the 
the paint is only like in the recessed parts of the ash. Yeah, even on the white one you had, you could still see the ash coming through. Yeah, it's really cool. And they had, they yeah. put some kind of a sparkle kind of thing in the you know the deeper parts of the grain. Wow. So it was like this subtle kind of sparkle. Really neat. Um, so yeah, want to check out the audio first? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so first off, we have to just mention that I think the pack is coming for about twelve hundred bucks, right? Yeah, exactly. And that's with yeah the, the snare and the that's two with tongs. the snare. I think so. I mean, that's ah, what they dog. sent me. They didn't tell me it okay. was not part of it. So right off the bat, <clears throat> excuse me. If I'm thinking about for my students at twelve hundred bucks, I'm thinking this is that perfect rock gigging kit in these sizes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know if it, it looks like a a high end pro level kit, but if somebody spills a beer on it, you're not going to freak it. It's not like a you know ten thousand dollar Noble and Cooley kit. Yeah, Do yeah. they even make kits. I don't know. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> they make a lot of snares because I follow them on Instagram. Oh um, my god, I've got to interrupt you. Did you see Matt Chamberlain posted a demo of him playing the one headlight groove? No. Um, if anyone, you know, Matt is is notorious for doing a bunch of social media, social media for like a week and then deleting everything and then deleting yeah yeah so if if he hasn't deleted it yet yeah he did a, a quick demo of him playing the beat for one headlight and exactly replicating the loops that he created like there's a floor tom loop there's a shaker loop and he plays the groove on no. top of it find it save it download it because that is textbook lyrical drumming to the t right there and oh. the reason i interrupt is because he used an one coley 4 by 14 snare on that track okay uh, anyway, nice. we're talking about Crush here. <laughs> well, yeah. And we're talking about you have to follow 11 Matt Chamberlain accounts to find the <laughs> Matt Chamberlain account. Uh, okay, so I'm thinking, like I said, right off the bat, if I've got that 17 to 25-year-old student that's rocking the hell out of things, just smashing everything, it's like, dude, this kid's going to be awesome for you. And like I said, if, if something happens, if somebody dings it on loadout, you're not going to freak out. Yeah, and, it, and and along those lines, it was a really kind of dry kit, so there was not a lot of overtone to deal with. So again, yeah. if you're if you're a hard hitter, or if you you know you want to mic it up for clubs and don't have a ton of like EQ flexibility or gates and all that stuff, these are going to hit and quit and get out of the way. The bass drum in that demo was 100 percent unmuffled, solid front head. Mike was like 
wow 20 inches in front of the bass drum so you're getting like the full sound of the bass drum put a nice. port in it throw a pillow in it it's it's going to be super good to go punchy. yeah yeah i think most importantly is i hate to say it but the looks have a lot to do with it you know crush i mean they some people may not remember if they're kind of new to the scene or if maybe they didn't go to nam but when crush came out they changed the game in a day mm-hmm. like i remember the first you know i don't know if it was 2010 2011 2012 but i remember that first crush booth at nam where we were like that's a lot of real estate for a brand new drum company to <laughs> yeah, take up yeah. it, you know and and then all of a sudden you're seeing key artists move over to crush and then they were doing the sjc type of thing but yep. doing it for half the price because it wasn't custom it was mass produced yep then Made you even Taiwan. saw yep. companies like mapex follow suit with the my identity thing trying to keep up with this thing that mm-hmm. was going on so it's really, you know, you're going to have to stick around the drum industry for 20 or 30 years to establish yourself, but they nailed the aesthetic right off the bat. Yeah, they. And I think that's what this is. It's a pro looking kit for 1200 bucks that you're going to hit the hell out of, and you're not going to freak out if it gets dinged. Yeah, and it's. I think aesthetically, it's not for everyone, and that's. I think that's mm-hmm. a good a good thing. It's for you know. I remember when yeah. they first came out, I was like, okay, this is this is skewing younger than than me. Like, but that's right. a good thing. So it gives a customized kind of vibe for maybe someone who doesn't have a. Yeah, career where they can actually pay for it, a customized kit at the point. At I gotta point. say that the white kit you reviewed is is that's a pretty original finish, yeah. and without being outlandish. I mean, it's a classy finish, but it's it's, it's, it's beautiful. It's not a. Wrap. Did you also that's review a, the hardware? I did. Yeah, yeah. The hardware they have a M4 series and they have an M1 series. They just sent the pedal and hi hat stand in the M1 series, and they sent like a full range of stands. Uh, everything just works well. I mean. Right. Again, it's like the least I want to think or talk about hardware. That means it's the better it is for me. I don't want to have yeah. to talk about a million features, and in order to get the bass drum to feel right, you've got to change every possible joint. Yeah. And <laughs> no. no, I agree with Put you. Put the pedal on. I don't think about it. It works. The hi hat stand. I just set it up, and it works. Symbol stands. <laughs> Can you nothing, please open and close? Yeah, I'm not asking for drags much. or droops, or and it's not super duper heavy. Um, they do have a you know green footboards, which is their own. Little little extra touch on the M4 series. Oh yeah. oh yeah, very cool. All right. Well, if you want to check out that stuff and learn more, just head on over to the product close up on moderndrummer.com, or you can check it out in the current issue of Modern Drummer. That is the Sublime AXM drum set and M4 hardware. It is time to get into some listener questions. We got into a bunch last week. Yeah, get into more today. We still have some more. These are all emails. So if you have any questions for email, send to mdinfo at moderndrummer.com or also go to the Modern Drummer Podcast with Mike and Mike Facebook page and you can send them there. This one is from Tim White. Uh, He says, I'm looking for advice on matching drum heads and tuning to cymbals. I have a pair of Dream Flat Earth Rides, which is, I believe, in the Dark Matter series, the Raw uh, unlaid series that I really love. I went through all the sticks in my collection and the sound of the Keith Carlock signature sticks on those rides is pure heaven for my hard bop quintet. While they don't have a ton of stick rebound, they are very forgiving and not perfect for, of non-perfect ride technique and stay relatively quiet. Um, to go with the rides, I have a pair of 14-inch Dream Contact Hi-Hats. My problem is that I have a birch drum set with die-cast tubes that I love the look of, but I can't seem to find a head and tuning combination that blends well with the smooth and classy sounds of the cymbals. They always seem to have too much attack, um, 
or just just a pure tone and no character. I've tried Aquarian Modern Vintage 2, Deep Vintage, Evans G1, G2, UV1, and many other batter heads, um, I guess, and none of it's working. Ideally, I want something that is reminiscent of 1957 to 65 hard bop era. Man, swap out them hoops. Yeah, that'd be the first thing, right? Diecast yeah, hoops. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was going to say, I hate to tell you, you got the wrong drum set, but maybe the hoops would. <laughs> maybe the hoops well, yeah. Too. I mean, the the drum set too, and that is tough, though. I I know how tough it can be when you love the look of your drum set, and you just I had a kit that clearly the shells were meant to be tuned to bop Mm -hmm. and it was in my rock time but i couldn't accept it i was like no this looks so badass this has to sound good (laughs) and eventually i had to sell it to my local drum shop and they had it for like seven years oh wow it was a very very high-end kit with a custom Mm -hmm. finish i mean a a gorgeous finish and it just kind of went <laughs> until you cranked it, and once you cranked it, it was like doom, do do do. It was like Star Wars laser beams. It was amazing. And, but when you wanted to go flat, doom, shut to doom, it went flat. <laughs> I was like, what is the deal with this kit? It lo- but I just couldn't admit it because I was like, no, I don't care. It looks so good. So if you it might be worth getting a new kit, but I, if you really have to keep that kit. I would say go with single ply coated heads, whatever company you like the most, yeah, top and, and then swap out those hoops. Yeah, top and bottom, absolutely. Yeah, and swap and out those hoops. You have to think. Okay, let's say it's a four piece kit. You got a twelve, a fourteen, and a snare drum. How mm-hmm. much are you going to spend on hoops? A couple hundred bucks mm-hmm. at the mo- well. If they're if they're just triple flanged hoops, probably, you're like probably thirty looking bucks at a piece. Twenty five, fifty. You're looking at yeah, maybe maybe a hundred and fifty bucks total. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I can tell you this. You definitely, if if the holes match up or line up, it might not work on your 12 because the way, I, I don't know who else makes double flanged hoops, but I love those Gretsch 302 hoops, the the Brooklyn hoops. Yeah. Those are the perfect balance for me. I No matter what set comes my way, except for my vintage 60s kit, I swap out the hoops. If, if it's a USA Custom or a broadcaster, I swap out the hoops immediately to the Brooklyn hoops. It's just it's it's the balance speech. I love single flange hoops, the looks of them, but we've talked about it so many times. They just they they just don't have enough weight to them. Unless yeah. you get like brass ones, yeah, like I, Angel or something. And I don't think I don't think putting single flange hoops on a brass brass shells. I mean, on a birch shells would be would Advisable. be the recon. But I would say triple right. flange hoops will be your triple flange, first, yeah. first take. And then there's yeah, drum heads. I think if you're if you tried G ones and UV ones and those didn't get you a jazzy sound, then yeah, I think it's the hoops first. If not, then get yourself a Catalina. What is it? The the Catalina Club Bop Kit. Yeah, like eight hundred dollar kit. Boom. There's your Bop sound, and then keep your Birch Kit for for more modern stuff. There you go. Okay, our next one is. Uh, this is from Ezra. Um, do you do the both of you have any recommendations for beginning DSLR cameras or and a more intermediate camcorder? And then, actually, we'll probably address the second harvest question later. So let's just start there. Do you have any recommendations okay. for a beginning DSLR camera and a more intermediate camcorder? I don't because I just have whatever cheap stuff I bought six years ago. 
which is more than enough. You're doing just fine. <laughs> Your videos are fantastic. I'm very proud of you. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah. So, I would start with, depends on what you're going to film, but if you're going to be in it, I would definitely go with Canon. I have no association with Canon whatsoever. I've bought the Sonys. I've bought the Fujis. But the reason why I say that, if you're going to be in it, it will cause you the least amount of stress as far as color corrections on yourself. It's so easy to color correct and to film someone else because you don't really care what they look like. But as soon as you're filming yourself, you can get stuck there for a while trying to be like, I don't look like that. I'm better looking than that. No, you're not. There's no, uh, there's no face filters on DSLRs yet. No, no. There, it's, it, you can just be there forever trying to fix that. So Canon's going to give you like your best bet on that kind of stuff. Uh, so here would be my recommendation. If... If you want to go with something that's just like a no-fuss camera, check out the Canon EOS M50. It's a mirrorless camera, so it's not a DSLR. You might be thinking, when you say DSLR, you might be just thinking of the form factor. A mirrorless camera, it's going to do all the same stuff. It just doesn't use a mirror to reflect the image. Anyways, it's going to be much smaller. It's going to be much cheaper. And the M50 is awesome. I mean, it even has 4K inside of it, even though it's cropped. Uh, It does have a flip-out screen, super important if you're going to film yourself. Those are the things that I look for right away in anyone buying a new camera. Does it have a flip-out screen so that you can see yourself, see that you're in focus? Does it have good auto-focused? Focused. (laughs) Focus. Uh, And I'm pretty sure the M50 has Canon's uh, face tracking, which is really great. You Mm. just sit down on the kit It grabs your face, autofocuses, and you're done. The only thing is if you're going to graduate over time into Canon's other stuff, like what I use, the Canon EOS R, or what I film all my videos with, which is their cinema series, the Canon M50 uses a different line of lenses, and so your lenses won't translate to you stepping up. If you want to step up over time, check out the Canon Rebel T7i. You still get the flip-out screen. Uh, you still get the Wi-Fi transfer, so meaning that uh, if you take a picture and you want to transfer it to your phone real quick to get it up on Instagram, you don't have to go from the camera to your computer to your phone. Mm-hmm. It just transfers it straight to your phone. Uh, same price. Both of these are in that 500 to $550 range, depending on where you get it. But with the Canon T7i, if you start building up a lens collection and then you want to get a better camera body in Canon's series of either cinema cameras that, or even their uh, their new mirrorless series, you can do that. And it's a little bit easier. So if you want a one fix for everything, get the Canon M50. You're looking at about 500 bucks to 550 If you want to grow your camera and your lenses, maybe eventually you want to have a multi-camera shoot, then go with the T7i. What about a camcorder? Well, I think he's just, if he's saying, I don't know, understand the camcorder part. If you're just saying you want a decent camera that happens to record video, and that's why you're using the word camcorder, then that's what I would go with. If you actually just want a camcorder only, uh, meaning you just want to something that doesn't take pictures, then maybe check out the Canon C100 Mark One. They are super cheap right now, and they still have one of the best cinematic looks out there. What would be the advantage? The camcorders can record longer? Is that the one, the big difference? They can, yeah, but not even, not anymore. Now they all do it. And they okay. all have, um, a lot of them will, even if it stops, say, at 10 minutes, it'll be a seamless stop and it'll just make two files out of it. Oh, okay. But the Canon EOS R that I have, it can record 40 minutes. 
of HD, no problem. So uh, I don't know why anybody would want that. Um, and and you can even stream with these cameras too. They all have HDMI outs. So dig it. All right. So let's do one more. We've got. Oh, by the way, Ezra is. I think he said he was 14 years old. So thanks for listening Stud. and welcome to the journey. Um, okay, this one is from Eric. Eric T. McKnight. Is there a reason other than tradition that bass drums sit on the ground? I have a kit from Whitney Drums whose bass drum sits like a floor tom with a pedal that strikes upwards. Um, hmm. Yeah, I chose it because it, it avoids the low frequency noise going through the flooring and disturbing the neighbors. So that's pretty interesting. Does it? I don't. I don't know. I mean, that's a good. Does question. it though? <laughs> I mean, is it really the? I mean, if you had a twenty-two. A horizontal 22 with the beater smacking it from the bottom. <laughs> You'd have to muscle that thing <laughs> up, buddy. But, I mean, seriously, like, I, I think about leaving. Okay, let's say that you're not in an apartment. I think about standing outside of somebody's practice room. I don't hear the kick because it's going through the floor. I hear the kick because of the frequency it creates. It's going right through the walls and the doors. Yeah. Um, but let's just stay with his question. So is there a reason for it? Um I mean, because at some point there was concert bass drums, and then at some point they had to be put on the floor. Do you think that's just because of the pedal itself and it made more sense? Yeah. I mean, that's a question maybe for someone like Daniel Glass, who's been really... Daniel Glass, that's exactly what I was thinking. I think, yeah, if you think about the original drum set player, it was a marching band that came indoors, and instead of hiring five people, they hired one. So what are you going to do with the bass drum? Well, you're going to maybe start it out putting it on a chair and hitting it with a mallet. But then you're like, well, why am I doing that? Let me figure out a way to create a pedal. So I think, yeah, it just was necessity. If I'm going to hit something with a pedal, it's got to be on the floor in a vertical position. Mm. Right? I mean, in yeah. the early days, no, no, when I, they're just I trying agree. to make it I, an instrument they can play. I can't think of any Well, other. the other thing is the original bass drum, the way it was set up with two heads, one head facing your body, one head facing the crowd, that gave us a tabletop to put all of our trap stuff on top of the shell. Right, yeah. So yeah, there's that symbol too. on top of it. <clears throat> yeah, so it's probably um, tradition. And I think I think it's just too too many mechanical, you know, you need too much, too many machines to make a bass drum go horizontal. you got to have a stand that, that supports yeah. it. you got to have a pedal that, that operates in a, in a strange way. It's not just beater goes forward. It's got to go up, but then your foot has to go down. Like, there's too many, too much physics I can't even play it the way it already is. I'm not, <laughs> not messing with anything. Now, I, 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 I do have one of those uh, Cajon pedal things, which uh-huh. is basically like a, a, a bass drum pedal with a wire like a that connects to yep. a beater that you can put anywhere. And I've done that on the bottom of the floor tom. The problem is it will make the floor tom jump up in the air if you hit it hard enough. Oh. So, the base, so the floor tom was just like dancing all over the studio. I had to like tape it down. <laughs> So it's kind of cool That's if you're playing awesome. lightly, but if you're playing hard and you're really trying to kick it, that drum's gonna it's gonna elevate. <laughs> I can't I can't get out of my head if if we went to this dude's apartment right now, would it be different <laughs> if he put that bass drum on its side and played it normal, or would it be different the way he's got it? Because I think what might be I mean, if it's a sixteen or an eighteen that's what probably makes it feel like, ah, oh, it's less for the neighbors to deal with. It's like, well, mm. It's it's the fact that to get a cocktail style bass drum, it's going to be a sixteen or an eighteen, uh, and that that's going to produce less low frequencies in general. Because um, to me, at least the problems I've always had as when I lived in an apartment, I never dared play a drum set in an apartment. But it was 
so there were no frequencies. The problems were that I was stomping on the ground. Yeah, you're shaking the floorboard itself. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess if you're a heel down player and you're just giving a little swishy swish, little <laughs> hootie hoo. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think we have to just come to grips that drums are never going to be apartment friendly. I mean, I went to Sean Pelton's studio in downtown New York. He spent so much money to float his studio in his apartment. Even still, he's like, yeah, I kind of have to be careful when I when I play and don't play. And it, it it's nearly nearly soundproof but even still i think just the physics of mm-hmm. smashing giant drums with sticks yeah. <laughs> there's nothing you can do about it <laughs> yeah. i agree looking forward to seeing how uh, carter's studio comes out man that thing's looking great yeah yeah hopefully Quite uh, annoyed by how awesome that is <laughs> i i can tell you right now all of my neighbors here at the mike's lesson studio wish that i spent more money on soundproofing but they all moved in after me so i'm like Yeah, yeah. you knew it. You knew it. It said it on the sign. I wonder if their rent is cheaper because of you. I guarantee it is. I'm (laughs) sure it has to be because they got to be like, I'm not paying full price. Dude's playing all the time. (laughs) He's got crazy hours. Why why is he here at six a.m.? Or you're really not practicing enough, and they don't even realize you're a drummer. Hmm. Now you're you're a Richard. Or maybe they should be charged more for being that close to like <laughs> this place that people are pay- paying thousands of dollars to come to. God. Anyway, thanks for your questions. Send yours <laughs> in to mdinfo at moderndrummer.com or post them to the Modern Drummer Podcast with Mike and Mike Facebook page. Why do my neighbors never ask for my autograph? I'm right here. <laughs> They're like, do they oh, not know what it's like at Nam? drums? Oh, I didn't know that. I thought, <laughs> yeah, you, were, totally. uh, I thought you were a painter. <laughs> oh. I thought you were just hiring brand new groups of eight people to come in and hang with you because you're lonely. You look lonely. You look lonely. What is your pick of the week? Goodness. Pick of the week. What does it matter? (laughs) My pick of the week is the Audio-Technica AT4040. Uh, The reason why I made this my pick of the week is because it's just a really useful mic, and it's not that much more than an Audio-Technica 2020. But it, it the the sound quality steps up massively. This mm. this is a decent when I say decent uh studio mic, when I'm I'm talking about stacking it up against great studio mics, this would do great in any studio, but it's so flexible. It's what I'm using right now for the podcast, but especially for any of you that are just like I don't want to deal with mixing. I made a quick recording of it this morning using only this mic and I was messing around with those plugins. Uh, but only this mic, no bass drum, nothing else. Just one mic sitting straight over my drum set. So let's give it a listen. Is that the uh, the vintage Gretsch? That is. 
Yeah, those drums sound amazing. The mic sounds good. Those drums sound amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. Um, what did you yeah, do I mean, to the mix? First of all, how high was the mic? The mic is, I would say, four feet above the snare drum. Okay, so pretty low by comparison. Pretty low. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it's about maybe a foot above my head. Mm-hmm. And okay. it is directly over the bass drum pedal. That's where the so it's centered 100. percent Okay, then what did you do EQ wise to get it to sound the way you wanted it to? Very little on the EQ. This is a pretty sizzly mic, so if anything, I rolled off a little bit of highs. Okay, I dumped um, probably five dB, five or six dB of 500 hertz, okay. somewhere in there, five to five twelve, whatever it mm-hmm. was. Uh, then. Because it was the overhead and it was the only place it was grabbing my toms and there was no kick, I boosted, I think, 160 hertz by about 3 dB. Mm-hmm. Then compression was at negative 18 um, and, and a, and a 2.5 uh, compression. So, okay. And that was about it. Oh, and then there's a little, like, 2% of the uh, Abbey Road's reverb concrete room on there. Okay, cool. Uh, and how much is just that Just because I want to try that out. This microphone, uh, so brand new. I think it's two ninety nine, but I was able to find it on Reverb as low as two hundred. And the cool thing about mics, I mean, you know this better than anybody. Uh, actually, there's a bunch of them for two hundred on Reverb, brand new, two ninety nine. Um, but most of the mics stay in somebody's bedroom or somebody's studio. It's not like you're, t- especially with large diaphragm condensers, because they're not live microphones. Yeah. So they're always in great shape. They're worth checking out used for sure. Yeah, that's a great option, especially considering you can easily spend 10 times that on a condenser mic. That's going to sound better, but not 10 times better. <laughs> I agree. And I think the reason, and the 4040 is preset in cardioid. If you want flexibility, if you want figure eight cardioid and omni, just get the AT4050. It's 100 bucks more, and you get, it's the same capsule, but you get, mm-hmm. or the same diaphragm, but you get all those options. I mean, I would say the amount of times I've actually switched to omni or, or um, figure eight. Figure eight. I mean, one percent of the times I've actually used cardioid. <laughs> you know, the problem is I don't have a good enough room to ever want the Omni. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I did yeah, same thing. I don't want more room sound. I want, I want as focused as possible. Yep. Yeah, cool. yeah. So definitely check it out. That's my pick of the week: the AT forty forty, two hundred bucks on Reverb or two ninety nine, brand new anywhere else. Dig it. My pick of the week is a, a YouTube video that the great producer engineer Eric Valentine put up recently. I didn't even know he had a had a YouTube channel, but he does. And there's one called it the series is called Making Records with Eric Valentine. In particular, there's one that's all about mixing drums. It is 42 43 minutes long. It's full on. What? He's giving you all the secrets about how he uses distortion and things. Uh, I got a uh, shout out to Robin Stone for hipping me to this video. It's pretty it's it's pretty awesome to see like top-notch engineer producer breaking down how he mixed the song so he actually gives you like here's what the raw drums sound like here's where it ended up and then here's every step i took along the way to get there wow pretty amazing wow it's not something that if you want to get the most natural pure sound out of your drums it's more like if you want something with some crazy like radio level vibe this this is a great course just the distortion techniques are really really cool awesome it's called making records with eric valentine mixing drums yeah Let's see if we can get him over 5,000 views by the end of today. 
That'd be cool. <clears throat> that's, I mean, that's a lot of value, uh, and it needs to explode. So, all right, everybody. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to this week's podcast. Uh, I won't bore you with how much we appreciate your listening and, and your your fanship, but uh, I will bore you with it. We appreciate it a lot. So, uh, <laughs> if you can, head on over to iTunes, give us a quick review and a five star rating. That helps other drummers find this podcast. Man, I'm not going to talk to you for a while, huh? Really? People don't know we did this one early. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be good to not have to talk to you for a week. <laughs> oh my God, you are on fire today. Oh, goodness uh, gracious. Anyway, anywho, Love you, man. I'm just gonna Our let it go. Groove is by Jason Schwartz. Sweet, sweet sounds of Jason. <laughs> this one's oh. kind of cool. He's he took a uh, a Morse code pattern. I don't think he told us. Oh, you know what? Yeah, he's playing the words Mike and Mike, Mike and Mike. Which is pretty Stop. awesome. Much appreciated, Jason. So thank you for sending your beat. If anybody else has any ideas, send them to indieinfo at moderndrummer.com. And that's it. So we're two more weeks. We'll be celebrating 200. Thanks, everyone, for listening. This is unbelievable that we've done 200, nearly 200 hours of Good God. total drum nerdery. <laughs> oh, my God. No wonder why we don't talk for the entire rest of the week. <laughs> it's like, okay, I'm good. All right, everybody. We'll see you guys next time. All right, see you.